Hey, this is Shane Valenstein, the pastor at City on a Hill Community Church. I want to welcome you to our sermon podcast. I hope that this podcast helps you grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at cityonahillmd.org. Enjoy the message. We're in the third week of our Storytime series, and um, this month we're focusing all on stories, on, on parables that Jesus told in Scripture. We understand that stories are important. We understand that stories help us to understand different things and, and to learn things in, in maybe a different way. Uh, and Jesus told stories that has significant meaning behind them in an attempt to get a message across, to get a point across, to help us understand what he was trying to communicate. Because we didn't, people don't always understand what is being communicated. So the first week, we talked about the parable of the marriage feast. And we, we learned that all of us have an invitation to the, the celebration. All of us do. And we can all respond in different ways. And we all do respond in one way or another, whether you realize it or, or not. And with that invitation, we could either respond by ignoring it. We could be annoyed by it. We could respond joyfully, um, all those sort of things. And then last week, we talked about the Good Samaritan. And we learned that we should intentionally help other people who are in need but really, the main point of the, of the story, of the parable, was to help us get rid of any prejudice that we have towards anybody else, uh, because Samaritans were not the most loved people by the Jewish community at that time. So if you missed either of those, you can go to our YouTube page or our podcast and, and check that out, and, uh, and you can catch up there. But today, we're going to continue by looking at another story that Jesus told, and this one in, in particular is interesting because he actually explains the parable after telling it. Like he goes into great detail up to what he meant by it. On other, other parables, he would kind of leave up to interpretation and he would do that intentionally to say, he would just tell a story and the people would be like, huh? And he'd be like, I'm moving on and just kind of go. And he would want you to think about it, want you to kind of figure it out and, and, and leave it up to interpretation. This one he goes into great detail about what he meant by the parable. It's almost like, like a parable for dummies sort of situation here. Like he fully explains it as if he was like, I really want to make sure that they understand this, and I don't, I'm not so confident that they do, that they are getting this. So, um, so we're going to look at the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13, verses, verses 1 through 23. And um, I... If you're always welcome to bring your Bible with you to church, obviously. Um, There's probably a good place to bring it to, but um, uh, you can also uh, follow on your phone. I got my rocking chair. We're doing this every week where I get to sit down just for a minute because it's story time, remember? Um, so, uh, so listen to the parable of the, of the sower, verses, uh, chapter 13 of Matthew, verses 1 through 23. It says this, the same day Jesus went, up, uh, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake, such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. Well, all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things and parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. And they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, 
a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. So that's where he stops the parable, okay? And now he goes on to explain it. Because the disciples came up to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? They're getting sick and tired of these stories, right? He replied, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is, is fulfilled the prophecy of, of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this, for this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. You still with me? It's a longer one, okay? Hang in there. Verse 18, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed and fe that fell on rocky places is a man who hears the word at once, receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of his life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. So I know it was a lot to listen to, and sometimes our attention span doesn't allow us to go quite that far. Um, and I don't know about you, but I'm not a farmer. I'm, I don't enjoy gardening. Um, I actually hate gardening. Uh, I, I actually hate pulling weeds. I don't like landscaping. I've never planted anything intentionally that I know of in my life. So I'm the perfect person to preach this sermon to you to this morning. Um, but I had to do some research when I, while I was preparing for this message, and, and here, here's, here's what I learned, okay? Planting crops is a meticulous process. Um, it takes a lot of work, and even with machinery to help, as we have in modern technology, it's still a very meticulous process. First, the ground has to be prepared. Um, it, it, weeds have to be pulled. Topsoil or fertilizer may need to be put down in order to produce a healthy, healthy crop. And the dirt has to be loosened and tilled in order for the seeds to, to be able to take root. Rocks have to be removed. Second, the gardener must then prepare rows for the crops to be planted in so that it's organized, so that you know which crop is, is which, which seed goes where, so that everything is, is where it needs to be. And then finally, the planting begins by carefully putting each seed an appropriate depth into the ground before covering it over again with dirt. There's a lot of things that, that goes into it. But the point is this. Planting seeds is careful and thought out. 
It is a very well thought out process. And even after the planting is done, the planting of the seed, there is still work to be done. We have to water the seed. We have to pull more weeds. You may have to fight off animals or bugs from getting to the crop before it is ready to be, to be pulled. And a good gardener works diligently to ensure that hopefully no seed is wasted. I didn't know any of that, okay? I just Googled this sort of stuff. and, um, and I mean, I kind of knew some of this, but I, it's not really my area of expertise. So in Jesus' story, God is the farmer. He's, he's the one who is planting the seed. He, he, is, he is the sower. And the seed that is being planted is the promise of God's kingdom. I'm pretty sure you were able to figure that one out already before me going into the sermon. But the sower, the farmer, does not seem very intentional about where he is planting the seed. I mean, I just talked to you about how intentional we have to be, how intentional a farmer or a gardener has to be with their seed before just throwing it out. But, but in, in Jesus' story, the farmer here is just throwing seed anywhere, wherever it is that, that he goes. I mean, he's just kind of flinging it everywhere. Why, why is he doing that? If, if a farmer today, the smart way to go about it would be intentional to, to conserve, to, to make sure that we are taking care of what we have. We don't want to waste. So why in this story would Jesus talk about a farmer just throwing seed everywhere? And the truth is this, because God's, God's goodness, it's available to everyone because God's goodness has no limits. Like, the, the farmer here is not going to run out of seeds to plant. It's unlimited. For you and I, we have a limit on our resources. We have a limit on the things that we have and the things that we can do financially, the things that you have, I, I don't know, your vehicles, all that sort of stuff. There are limits on everything that we have. But in this story, Jesus says in verses 4 through 8, as he was scattering the seeds, some fell on the path, some on rocky places, didn't have much soil, other seed among thorns, still other seed fell on good soil. I mean, it's everywhere. It's like, it's like if you had a child planting things, right? Just walking out and just throwing, throwing seed anywhere that, that it would land. And he didn't care. It didn't, it didn't matter. And sometimes we can think that we are wasting our time with being a part of God planting a seed in someone's life. I don't know if you've ever been there. And now this, this is for if, if you're a Christian and if you've been a Christian for a long time. Sometimes you may have a conversation with somebody and you can think to yourself, well, this is a waste of time. I, this is pointless. This person that I'm talking to, that I'm trying, I'm trying to plant a seed here. I'm trying to help them. I'm trying to let them know about how good God is. I'm trying to let them in on the greatest gift that there ever was. And it, I'm just wasting my time. They, they have no interest or maybe they say that they have interest, but then I know that they really don't care. They're, they're, it's meaningless to them. They say one thing, but then they go and do another thing. Why, why am I wasting my time? If, you, if you've ever felt like that, then you probably have been a youth pastor at some point or another, right? <laughs> right, right, Charlie? Isn't that the way it is? Sometimes, like, if you don't, I always say, it is way easier to preach to you. The hardest preaching that you can do is to teenagers, I love you guys, teenagers up here in the front. Um, but it's the hardest thing that you can do. Because some, it often feels like in youth ministry, it's like, oh my goodness, this is just in one ear and out the other. They, there's, not, there's not a whole lot that's sticking. And it can be frustrating. 
But it's not just with teenagers. It's, it's also with adults. It's just adults know how to fake it better. That's the only difference. Adults can put, put the right face on where teenagers are just like, nope, I don't care what you say, and they'll tell you what they're thinking, and it's, it does a lot for your self-esteem. But sometimes we think that we're wasting our time with being a part of how God is using us to plant a seed in somebody else's life. And we can think, this person will never change. This, this is just hopeless. And just like the parable of the marriage feast that we talked about two weeks ago, the gift of God is open and available to anybody. Available to anybody. Here at City on a Hill, and, and we, if you didn't know, we're part of the Church of the Nazarene. That's our denomination. We fully believe in something called provenient grace. And provenient grace says this. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how great or how terrible of a person you may be, God's grace is available to you before you ever even realized it. Before you were ever aware God's grace was there. And God had been working in your life before you acknowledged it and before you accepted it. And you may not even ever accept it, but it is always there and God has always been working in your life. You don't have to acknowledge it for that to be true. Now, I hope that you acknowledge it. But we believe fully, I don't care who you are, the grace of God is available. Now, not every religion thinks that. Not, not every way of faith thinks that. Not even every denomination under the Christian umbrella even thinks that. We fully believe that. And I believe that it's supported by things like this parable here in Scripture. I mean, it doesn't make sense to throw seed on rocky soil. It doesn't make sense to throw seed on the path where there's thorns. It makes no sense. But the sower in this story is not cautious. He, he's, not, he's not trying to keep some seed back because he knows it is unlimited. There is no end to it. Continually and indiscriminately, and indiscriminately throwing seed on all soil as if it were potentially good soil. See, there's hope for every ground that this farmer is throwing seed. Every single one. In God's eyes, every soil has potential, and every person has potential. And it can be kind of hard for us to see that sometimes, no matter how dire things may look. And this is where, this is where the church plays a part, because we get to play a part in this work. This is a joy. This is an opportunity and a privilege for us to be able to play a part in, in this work. See, you and I have access to this unlimited amount of seed. And you and I have the opportunity and the permission and the authority to scatter everywhere the good news of who God is and who Jesus is. Permission and authority from the one who is the most high. But some of us, we're picky about where we throw seed. Some of us are like, hmm, Baltimore City? Hmm? Yeah, I don't know. Hmm? Down the street? I don't know. I don't know if I want to go there. Oh, this other school, this other, this other church, this other... Ah, ah no thanks. We have, to, we have to preserve what we have. Any church that has a mentality of we need to hold everything in is a church that is not living out the Bible. There's no other way around it. 
If we have a hoarder's mentality as a community and as a church or as a Christian people, we do not understand what the Bible says. Because there is no limit on resources. There's no limit on what God can do. None whatsoever. And we need to stop acting like there is. You and I can have a, uh, an earthly focus instead of a divine focus. We think resources are limited because we are limited. But we're not tapping into our resources. We're tapping into God's resources. So don't sell him short. We also have no idea what the soil is like underneath of the surface. That's, that's very true. We, we look around at each other, and all we see is surface level. That's all that we see. Nobody, not, we don't really know what's underneath of the surface. We don't really know what, what sort of soil is down there. We only see what's on top, and we can miss opportunities to plant seeds because we think, well, that area is a waste of time. Don't miss it. God never called you to diagnose the quality of the soil. That's not, that's not my job. That's not your job. We're not called to say, nope, I know. It doesn't matter. And the interesting part about planting seed and having the privilege and the opportunity to do that, um, if we want to be selfish about it, we, when we go through those experiences and we plant seed, and even if nothing ever comes of it, that we are aware of, even if we don't see the fruits of our labor, we still grow. We still grow closer to God through the process. Now, it's not about you and I. It's not, that's not the central focus. But you gain great things by being faithful and trusting in God and following through with what he says. We, all, we, we get to have that experience. But God never called us to diagnose the quality of the soil. Our job is to simply be obedient to the farmer and throw out as much seed on the ground as possible. That is our responsibility as a church or followers of Jesus. So sometimes if, if, if we feel like, sometimes it will feel like uh, what we're saying and doing, if it falls on deaf ears, the truth is you have no idea. No idea. And for us to, to be the ones to decide, we're going to hold this back because I, it just doesn't make sense. It, it, it just feels like a waste of my time. We have no idea. Because I know the people who planted seeds in my life that they never saw the fruits of it. I know that there have been seeds planted in other people's lives that, that I've been a part of helping plant that I never get to see the fruits of. But that's okay. That's, who cares? That doesn't matter to me. I say all the time. Sometimes people will, will come to me and they'll say, as, as a pastor, like, Pastor Shane, I, I think that, I think I may need, I think I'm being called to go somewhere else, to another church. Do you know what my response is every single time? I would love for you to be here, but I don't care where you go to church as long as you're pursuing Jesus. I want you to be a part of our church, but I don't, if, if you need to go somewhere else in order for you to grow, then do it. Do it. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that because I want you to. I'm saying that because I care more about what God's doing in your life than I care about how big of a church I get to pastor. That's what I care more about. Because when it comes down to it, all that stuff 
it's just, it's cool. It's cool that I would love to have to be a pastor of a church that was huge. Maybe not. I don't think I would actually. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. More people, more problems. Know what I mean, right? <laughs> but I don't know. The point is, I don't, I, that is not my goal. My goal is to help the people who come to City on a Hill grow closer to Jesus. And if you feel like that needs to be somewhere else for you to happen, then please do it. Do it. It's so important that, that we pursue what Jesus calls us to do. But let, let's look at the different soil of this. So we've talked about how it doesn't matter the soil. We have a responsibility as the church to, to plant seed. But let's, let's, let's look at it a little bit differently, okay? Let's think about where you and I fall. What type of soil are we? Who are we? So the first, the first uh, uh, soil isn't really soil at all, but it's a seed that falls on the path. And th- this, is, this is people who are confused. In verse 19, Jesus says, When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. So what he's saying in there is, there was a seed that was planted, but there was confusion that went along with that. I mean, how, how many of you have been confused by what the Bible says before? Yeah, if you've, if, if you've ever read the Bible, uh, your hand will probably go up at some point or another, okay? I've, I've gone to school to study the Bible. I'm ordained, Tim. I, I, I've pastored a church for, for this church now for almost eight years, and I was a youth pastor for about almost 10 years before that. I, I, I've, I still read the Bible, and at times I'm like, huh? I, I'm still confused by things at times. That's why it's good to have other people that you read the Bible with. That's why it's good to have a commentary that goes along with it. That's why it's good to listen to other sermons or to pray about it. That's why it's good to do all of those things, to have devotionals that go along with it, because it helps us to understand a little bit more. We have all been confused by what the Bible says at some point or another, and there is no shame in that whatsoever. No, no shame. Sometimes we can just have trouble grasping it. And those times, it's when we are like the seed that falls on the path. Where maybe we're not in the right state of mind. Maybe, maybe we're not focused. Maybe you're trying to read the Bible and your kids are talking to you. Maybe, maybe there's just too many distractions that are going on. Maybe your heart just isn't in it in that moment. Maybe, maybe you've never read the Bible before and this is the first time that you're reading it and you're just having some difficulty. No matter how old you are, it, it, it can be challenging. No matter how long you've been in, in, in the Bible, it can, there can be those days. No shame in it whatsoever. Do you remember what it was like trying to teach your grandparents about new technology? No matter how old you are, right? Like, if you, maybe you are the grandparent now, but like, if you can think back to when, when you were younger and, and teaching your grandparents about new technology. I remember when my grandfather lived two houses down from us, he got a universal remote. You know how difficult that was to explain to him how that works? Very difficult, right? And it can be so challenging. Some of us are the grandfather who just got a universal remote, but it's the Bible. And we're like, how does this work? What does this say? What buttons do I press? And then it's on the wrong input, and you don't know how to get back. Like, you're so confused by, by what's going on. 
Sometimes it's just, it, it can throw us off. But when you are confused, here's the worst thing that you can do. Just remain ignorant. The worst thing we can do. When you read the Bible or when you hear a sermon or when something happens in life and you're confused by it, the worst thing you can do is nothing. Nothing. Because that's then when doubts creep in. And doubts are going to happen too. Doubts aren't necessarily bad unless we leave it. But if you have doubts, if you have questions, if there is confusion, pursue truth. Pursue the answer. Look for it. But in this situation with the sea that falls on the path, it's there. But soon enough, what happens? The evil one snatches it up. There's a bird that comes along and picks up the seed off of the path. If we leave it there and then we don't bury it deeper, it's going to create more problems or it's just going to disappear altogether. And then that's how we get to a place where we have one bad experience in church or we have maybe a few bad experiences or we just don't get it. And then we say, this church thing just isn't for me. This whole Jesus thing just isn't for me. Because you didn't even try. You didn't even look into it. You just jumped to your own conclusions. You were confused by what was said or what, or what you read, and you were frustrated, and you gave up. You just let it go. Don't let the evil one snatch away the seed. You won't produce any harvest without it. The second example that, that, that Jesus gave us is the seed that falls on the rocks. And this is shallow soil. So in 20, verse 20 and 21, the one who received the, the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When, when trouble or persecution comes along because of the word, he quickly falls away. And that's to say because of the world, not the word, sorry. Uh, but this is extremely common, okay? May, maybe this has been you in your past, or maybe this is even you now, and, and, and you aren't really aware. Um, it's very, very common for us to get excited about Jesus, and then all of a sudden, it just disappears. This person has good intentions. You, you got a taste of the goodness of God. You recognize how great it is. There's a lot of emotions involved, which isn't a bad thing, but don't be fooled by your emotional pull towards Jesus because your emotions will not remain up here forever. And the problem is, we think following Jesus is always up here, and it's going to be the most fun time that I could ever have, and I'm going to feel great all the time, and my emotions are going to be floating on cloud nine all the time. And then you don't, and then you think, oh, maybe it didn't work, as if this is some sort of a magic trick or something. Oh, it, it didn't stick. How come I don't feel great all the time? And then the minute that you do have difficult times, the minute that you do struggle with maybe depression comes back into your life again, maybe that anxiety comes back, maybe you fall back into that addiction, maybe you just don't feel as excited about going to church anymore that you did two months ago. And then you begin to question everything. Well, was it even real? And you see, we don't even just do this with Jesus. We do this with people. That's why our divorce rate is so high. Why? Because I just don't feel like it anymore. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to minimize all divorce. There's plenty of situations where this is different. But there are plenty of us as well who get to a place where we just say, I just don't love that person anymore. And really what we're saying is, I'm just choosing to not love that person anymore. 
And that's what we do with Jesus. I just don't feel it. I want to feel good all the time. I don't want to have these difficult feelings. But no matter how great something is, we can forget about its goodness if we are only focused on what you have done for me lately. It's so easy to forget about how good something is because it was great two weeks ago, but now today I haven't experienced that goodness in a little while, so I'm going to move on. It's shallow. That's what it is. We are fickle people. How easily we forget. We are so spoiled. We think if the world doesn't go the way that I want it to go all the time, and if I don't feel the way that I want to feel all the time, then I'm just going to burn everything to the ground because I'm going to throw a little temper tantrum because I'm a toddler. I hope that this is challenging to you. Because it's challenging to me. I do this too. I can, I can throw my own little pity party if things don't go exactly the way that I want it to go. It's so easy to do. But the minute something doesn't go our way, we, we whine, we complain, and we quit. Why? Because our faith is shallow. Don't lose sight of something. It's fo- if, if your faith is only focused on this second, on this minute, then we have no perspective. And then the minute the difficulty does come our way, we will lose it. I promise you. That's what, that's what this is. I mean, how many times have you seen someone discover Jesus and you think, man, they are on fire. They are so excited. Look, oh, it's great. They've been coming to church. Maybe they're even going to start serving on the worship team or maybe a greeting team or, or they're going to serve. They're going to help in the kids area, whatever it is. They're getting involved. It's so great. And then like, Three, four, five months go by, and you're like, what happened to that person? Where, where did that person go? How come they stopped coming? The reason why is because the seed was planted on rocky soil that was shallow. That, and, and remember, it says, at first, there was joy in the accepting of the seed. Joy. That's why we can look and be like, man, look at that. That's awesome. But if we don't build our foundation, it will not last, I promise you. We, as a church, a lot of times it's so easy to be focused on having our front door open and saying, everybody come, everybody come, everybody come. You're welcome here, you're welcome here. This is great, this is great, this is great. But then we don't want to offend anybody by actually telling them the truth because then if we tell them the truth, we think, well, then they're just going to leave. So let's just make this place easy to be a part of which is doing a disservice to us. If, if we are a church that just focuses on how can we make things comfortable for everybody because we want everyone to feel welcome, which is very true. We want everyone to feel welcome, but I don't want people to come and stay the same. I want people to come and then grow. God, God says when we find him, our lives change. That's why we're born again. We're different. And if, and if the truth of the gospel offends somebody, I don't really care. Because we're not in the business of having people with shallow soil here. We're in the business of having our roots go deep so that when life does hit us, we don't fall down. We're not scared. We're not confused. We don't throw in the towel. We don't quit. But instead, we buy into 
who Jesus is, trust in what he says, and know he provides every time. Do we trust it? That's, that's the question. Develop roots to faith. Faith with no root doesn't do us any good. Then the third, the third uh, place that the seed falls is in the thorns or on the thorns. And the, the, this is people who are distracted. We can, we can easily get distracted by things that are happening all around us. In verse 22, it says, The one who received the, the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of his life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. So this is when we're focused on the wrong things. Received God, but you have one foot in and one foot out. We, got, we like to have our, our feet in both camps. And this goes into what I was just talking about. On one hand, the, this person recognizes a need for a Savior. On the other hand, this person doesn't trust that the Savior will actually provide all that he needs. See, it's a, it's a catch-22 here. I recognize I need a Savior, but I don't trust that that Savior actually will do what he says he will do. I, I'm a little worried about both here. And this all comes down to trust. Do you trust God to provide all that you need? This is such a simple question. Do you or do you not trust God to provide? When your bank account is low, do you not trust God to provide? When your kids are driving you up a wall, do you or do you not trust God to provide? When your marriage is on the rocks, do you or do you not trust God to provide? I mean, in every situation in life. And when I'll tell you how to know when you don't trust God to provide. When you take it all on yourself. Now, that doesn't mean that you just sit there and do nothing. doesn't mean that you just say, okay, well, God, I'm not going to put any effort forward here. But there comes a point in a time where it's like, all right, you know what? I know I can't fully do all of this. So God, I'll do what you call me to do today. Today. And I trust that you will then provide from here on out. See, this is, it's way easier said than done, and I understand that. So many of us struggle with worrying about all of everything that happens in life. Some of us, our worry goes into more, you know, specific areas, and uh, some of us are worried about things that really we have no control over whatsoever, and it, it affects everybody differently. But worry is, is like the, one of the top things that people talk about in regards to life. I just don't know how to not worry, because we forget. We miss out on what God has done. Maybe we experience it at once, and this goes back to that shallow soil. We experienced it at once, and we, we loved it. We appreciated it, and then life kept going, and, then, and now we're in another situation, and now we just don't trust again, and now we're a little worried again. And God, I know that you provided then, but will you do it again? Man, it's tough. And the last soil is good soil, and this is when we're productive. The one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. 
obviously, this is where we want to be. And the sign of a of, of healthy soil is when it produces a crop, when it grows, when we see development. See, your, your works do not get you into heaven. I hope that you know that. You may know that, or you may say that, but we don't always live that. I hope that you know your works don't get you into heaven, but whatever fruit you produce reflects the faith that you have. That's very true. The way that you live your life, see, what we can get confused about here is we say, yeah, but our, our works don't get us into heaven. Yeah, but your works reflect the faith that does get you into heaven. You don't make it there because of what you did. You made it to heaven because you trusted in God who is a Savior. And because you trust in God who is a Savior, you will have no choice but to reflect it in the way you live your life. If, if you've discovered the gift of God, if you've discovered how good he is and the salvation that comes from Jesus, you will have no choice but to live it out in your everyday life. It will change you from the inside out. And if it doesn't, then you didn't discover the salvation that Jesus provided. That's, that's the only answer here. So when we, when we see the fruit that is produced, that's when we can determine the type of soil that received it. This goes back to where we started, okay? This is, all, this is all a circle. God used someone else to plant a seed in your life somewhere along the way. Could have been a family member, could have been a pastor, could have been a friend, anybody. God used somebody else to plant a seed in your life. That seed took root and then it grew. And it produced a good and healthy crop. And then the sign that you are good and healthy is when God now uses you to scatter seed in other people's lives. Now you may say, ah, hold on. This whole evangelism thing, this whole like talking to other people about my faith thing, that's great for pastors. That's great for maybe, maybe other people who, who like to talk a lot, right? Like that's great for them. It's not for me. Now, I'm not saying everybody needs to go out and be Billy Graham and have revivals and preach giant to arenas of people. I'm, that's all I'm saying. But if you are a healthy and if you have received the goodness of God, it will naturally happen that you share your faith with other people. You may not stand on a stage like I do once a week and talk about it, but the way that you interact with your friends the way that you interact with your coworkers and, and your family members and the people in your life who, who don't know Jesus yet, the way that you interact with them, it will open up opportunities. Do you know why? Because you're not the one opening up opportunities. God is the one who is. And when those opportunities do come, you have a responsibility. You are a minister of the gospel if you are a follower of Jesus. So if you claim to follow Jesus and you are a Christian, I'm not the only minister here. All of us are who are Christians. That's part of being a Christian. So if you have discovered who Jesus is, trust that he will provide. Allow him to change your life from the inside out. You will not be able to contain it. You will not be able to keep it to yourself. 
you will have to go and share it with other people because the goodness of God is so contagious. And you'll be amazed when you, when you recognize, man, how did I even get in this conversation with this person? Because you're not the one creating it, right? But like you, you will find yourself in situations where then hopefully, hopefully now your eyes will be open and you'll be like, oh, this is one of those times. This is one of those opportunities where now I have a chance to just simply talk about what I believe. And now if you're at a place where you, where you say, yeah, but Shane, I'm just not confident. I, 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 I have difficulty speaking. I, I have trouble in that way. You know who you are? Moses. That guy wasn't, he wasn't such a good speaker either. That guy, used, God used him to part the Red Sea. God used him to free the Israelites out of slavery in, 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 in Egypt. God used him to do amazing things. So guess what? Your excuse is not valid. I understand you may not be as confident. I understand and maybe out of your comfort zone. Suck it up. <laughs> I mean, think about this, guys. Just because you get a little awkward and you get a little bit uncomfortable, now, all of a sudden, you're going to deprive salvation from another person? Hello? Get over yourself. I mean, come on. Now, the good news is, other people's salvation does not rely on you. It doesn't. God, God gives everybody opportunities. God, God gives everybody a chance, okay? It very, it's very true. But if you, are, if you are so selfish that you think to yourself, that's just not for me, and if you care that little about other people, that you, that you just want to be in your own little bubble and be comfortable, shame on you. I mean, what are we doing? I will never be ashamed of the gospel. I will never be ashamed of what Jesus has done in my life. And neither should you. Because it is the greatest gift in the world. Life-changing. And if God can use me to give another person that opportunity, what a joy that is. What a privilege we have. That the creator of the universe would use me? Sign me up. So I don't know where you fall. I don't know what, what soil you may be. I don't know if you even know. All I'm saying is, lay it all at his feet. Focus on him and let him take over. Amen? I invite the worship team up as we close here. So your responsibility is this. Here's what I want you to do. Think about where you are. Think about whether or not you feel like you are healthy soil or not. And if you feel like you're in, you're the rocky one, or if you're with the thorns, or, or if you're on the path, how do you develop good, healthy soil? How, how do you become more open to what God is trying to communicate in your life? And it all starts with humility. It all starts with getting to a place where we just say, okay, God, okay, that's fine. I, 
I don't have all the answers. I'm confused by things too. I don't always know exactly the direction that I'm going in. I, I don't know everything. I just know that I need you. That's where good soil starts, with humility. And then think about who in your life God wants you to plant a seed in their life. Who, who around you has God been working on their hearts? Because like we said, we don't know what's underneath the, the surface here. You may see your coworker and think that, nope, that person is not ready to hear about Jesus. I, who, you don't know. You don't know. Walls can be broken down. And God provides constantly. So get to a place where you stop focusing on you and you start focusing on him in all that you do. And you will not fail and you will not regret it. Amen? Let's stand. Let's sing together.